do you think people do you think uh, employers draw negative judgments on people if they post too many cat pictures maybe not cat pictures i think the one that bothers me and maybe this isn't lighthearted enough but um you often hear a comment about like women posting photos of themselves in bathing suits and it's not a comment you hear about men right. um like no one cares if there's like a dude with a beer on the beach in a bathing suit do you have any pictures of you on the beach <laughs> <laughs> There are no on LinkedIn on the beach. No, it's probably for the better. Uh, I don't think anybody needs to be looking at pictures of me at a beach or a speedo or anything like that. That's for sure. Welcome to What's Law Got to Do with It? A lighthearted look at life in law school. I'm Professor Richard Haig, and I'm three L law student Felicity Rudan. Felicity, same old. Same old steel. Same old. Okay. Okay good uh i don't know if i was going to mention of course i will mention now that i'm about to mention it you You and i were heavily uh laden last right up until late last night working on a moot problem so we're a little bit i'm a little under the weather that's hard work for me I'm, i'm too old for that sort of thing right Parsing every single word of two 30-page facta, yeah, it's a, it's not an easy task. Six, six hours of going sentence by sentence over a document. I told my partner, Charles, I said, this is why I became an academic. I like to do things at my own leisurely pace, planned out in advance, so that I, only have, I would only have had to do that for five minutes one day over the course of two months. But yeah, you can't do that in legal practice or litigation. No. And I have I have heard this said that you'll never be as prepared and as polished for an argument as you will for a moot, because like no one in practice has six and a half hours to go over every single word of their factum like that yeah. in a group of six. Yes, because that so yes. maybe that's thirty six something to that. Thirty six person hours were just spent on going over a factum, which is a huge amount of time. You're probably right. <laughs> maybe if you were a Supreme Court litigator, it's could have exclusively you might get that kind of luxury of time but yes <laughs> who is exclusively a supreme court litigator yeah. i want to meet them yeah that's your <laughs> dream job isn't it that's, that's everyone's dream job yeah. well all that's good and i don't even i'm not even going to ask you a tough question today because that we've already just covered, <laughs> we've covered enough intro and people feel sorry for both of us hopefully already right so on to our guest uh andrew why don't you introduce yourself take it away hi thanks nice to meet both of you so uh i'm a 1l student at osgood right now uh hailing from the great city of toronto and uh excited to have just got through my first term at osgood and a little introduction to uh the world of law school that i just had (laughs) Okay, and you have a little bit of a background though before law, right? Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So my background is in an occupational health and safety. So I'm coming into Osgood as a, a mature student. And I think uh, maybe that experience helped me a little bit, although I don't necessarily think that it did. Um, but uh, law is definitely something that I've always been interested in. Uh, getting a little bit of exposure before coming into some statute, like the Occupational Health and Safety Act in Ontario was definitely beneficial, I would say. And also getting that balanced perspective, like working for a number of employers and corporations. So I kind of have a a bit of a taste for um, 
what's motivating corporations in terms of keeping their workforce health healthy and, and safe and managing risk and all those types of things that I think that you can definitely apply uh, in the legal profession and what I hope to hope to apply anyways. But uh, yeah, that's my background. I did that for about four years before law school. And unfortunately, I was glad when I got here uh, that I wasn't the only student who had a bit of experience. It wasn't everybody doing a JK to, to JD. Yeah, so that, was, that was good. <laughs> well, that and that I said, I think I mentioned to you a few times during the term that it's good that you were familiar with a statute because teaching criminal law, one of the things that I think a lot of students have just never read a statutory provision in their life before. And then uh, the criminal code is the first one, but not for you. So that that is good. I think in most cases, I would be worried about people if they weren't in law school and were just sitting there reading statutes. (laughs) What are you doing with your time? Well, yeah, (laughs) not for pleasure anyway. Although Although your your class um, definitely taught me that I was likely reading statute, maybe not the best way that you could. (laughs) Well, you learn, you learn differently. But I remember my constitutional law prof told us to read the Constitution in spare time while sitting on the toilet, for instance, which I I never did. (laughs) It didn't seem like the right place for me. Uh, Anyway, Andrew, you know the other question we always ask, which is... Tell us a some kind of movie or TV show that's related to law that you you enjoy. So I'm definitely interested in the environmental scheme of things that I've noticed. At least the podcast that I've listened to, nobody said Aaron Brockovich yet. So here's your I hope first Aaron Brockovich. Oh, that you know I unfortunately I think someone has, but only there's been one mention of it. But you would that doesn't I mean I don't expect you to have listened to all sixty five podcasts, but uh, I think once it has been mentioned. So that's still a good one. Let's be honest here. Twenty million dollars is more money than these people have ever dreamed of. Oh see, now that pisses me off. First of all, since the demur we have more than four hundred plaintiffs in. Let's be honest. We all know there are more out there. They may not be the most sophisticated people, but they do know how to divide, and $20 million isn't shit when you split it between them. Aaron. Second of all, these people don't dream about being rich. They dream about being able to watch their kids swim in a pool without worrying that they'll have to have a hysterectomy at the age of 20, like Rosa Diaz, a client of ours, or have their spine deteriorate like Stan Bloom, another client of ours. It's a good one. Yeah, I think so. I think so. The last time I watched it was probably a teenager, but it definitely gave me a a bit of fire in my belly to get into some kind of litigation work or oral advocacy and all of that. It's kind of an inspiring film, even though it may not necessarily uh, represent the truth of the legal profession, but still nonetheless a good film. I don't know that any film really represents the truth of the, it would be a boring film. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They would show six hours of people going over a factum. (laughs) <laughs> the real that's life right. uh, litigator so uh that's good that's good that'll get us going i'll try i i do have to try and find a clip from aaron brockovich because i don't think i did the last time that was mentioned so, uh all right so andrew you mentioned why or you mentioned your position and that's kind of why you're here partly why you're here which is again to try to get a little sense of how things are for a first year student after first term uh i've had some guests who have finished first year but that would be in April or May. It's it's even different, I think, in January, right? What, you know, just again, go tell us, what are your thoughts on some of the experiences you had in the first four months of law school? 
Yeah, I, I would say in July I climbed my first mountain from from bottom to top in Jasper National Park, uh, Whistler's Mountain. I, I would say that it was a lot like that. <laughs> <laughs> like your first half an hour in or so, you're not necessarily sure if you want to keep going or if you or should if turn back and just take the take the route downhill that was quite quite easy. Like just go back to where you came from, type of thing. Especially in my case, going back to my career in occupational health and safety. It, might have uh, been enticing to just kind of turn back around but i kept going uh similar to my my hike up the mountain last july and um i kept going and, and by the time december hit it felt like i was at the summit even though i realize now i'm two and a half years away from the <laughs> yeah. true summit you're, you're one sixth <laughs> of the way up but uh, it is a summit there's a interim intermediate summit right and you've already you've reached it i think and objectively, the first semester is the absolute worst. Like it, it's this is the summit. You're there. Is the view as nice from here as it was from the top of the mountain in Jasper? I would have to say that the top of the mountain in Jasper was definitely nicer than, <laughs> than top the... of this mountain. <laughs> all, ah, all but time. to take the metaphor further, though, it is interesting because actually coming down, climbing down a mountain is usually where most accidents occur. It's usually harder than going up. And so maybe you're right. You've reached the summit having finished first term. But the tricky part, the descent is now the next five terms, right? Maybe that's the, maybe that's my way of extending that metaphor. Yeah, well, unfortunately, in my case, I took the SkyTram down, so I don't oh. have any experience climbing <laughs> down mountains, so this could be quite tricky. <laughs> ah, you took the easy way down. I was going to say, and by the time you're in 3L in second semester, like I am now, you're just so tired and exhausted that you just kind of roll your way down the <laughs> last part of that. <laughs> Turn yourself into a ball in somersault? That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's good. So, uh, the, uh, what was your favorite course? And it doesn't have to be mine, by the way. No be pressure. Yeah. Be on, no, be honest, be honest. So the easy answer is to say your course, criminal <laughs> law. I loved it. <laughs> anyway, I would say criminal law was in my top two though, for sure. But I would say my favorite course was probably tort law for some reason or another, everything in that course just fit together, like the pieces of a puzzle and it was systematic. Like I thought the law would be, although I, I know the, the judgments and the decisions in in that course were quite gray and they could kind of go one way or the other or judges could decide to take one approach or the other but just the process of getting through everything it just seemed to make a lot of sense everything clicked for me in that class which i was told was pretty normal for first year students you may not find success across the board or you may not find that easy every course is uh, as easy so to speak although none of them were really easy but uh i would say tort tort laws likely uh my favorite, I would say, followed closely by criminal law, and then the rest are kind of just a mixed bag of not so much my favorite. <laughs> well, it makes sense. Is, oh, sorry, go ahead, Felicity. Is that what you expected going in? Did you did you like have an idea of what you thought was going to be your favorite? Actually, no, I had no idea. I kept a, an open mind. I, I I was if I had to think anything, I would probably think it was contract would be something that I would be most interested in because there's contracts everywhere, like even signing signing up for an email account you need to sign a contract or a gym membership and everything like that i i figured well this is going to have the most uh applicability to any future career because everybody's encountering contracts all the time and while it was valuable and and systematic much like tort law and that but i didn't find it to be 
that interesting? I don't know. I, 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 well, I was thinking that when you, you know, your previous work has been in workplace health and safety, I thought torts is a natural fit, actually. You didn't, you didn't think that going in? <laughs> well, no, because the statute has taken over everything for occupational health and safety in terms of like the workplace cases that we would be reading back from the 1920s and 30s. It used to be based on the common law, but now you've got the Occupational Health and Safety Act and the regulations underneath of that. In my case, the construction regulations, so 213.91 for those occupational health and safety nerds in the construction sector. So I didn't really find that it was too applicable. The, the statute nowadays really spells out a lot of like what is negligence, what are the expectations, what does the reasonable person what is the reasonable person or reasonable employer supposed to do so but I'll, I'll, although now that you mention it maybe it is a good fit i, I don't know <laughs> uh felicity what was yours i don't think i've ever asked you um in first semester yeah. it was also torts oh. and that's why i asked because that's not at all what i expected i i thought i would really like constitutional and crim and i think it was because 1L is like such a mess and everything is like so chaotic and hard to like just get your head around, not even like the substance, but just like, I have no idea what I'm doing at any given point. And torts was like you said, very systematic. And I think I found that comforting. <laughs> like There is like stepwise rules and I know where to go from here. And I just think that was like appealing to me. Well, there you go. Two votes for torts. My torts colleagues will be happy for that. I missed out twice now. Criminal law was not, and <laughs> constitutional was not for my two. <laughs> uh, well, so on to today's theme or other, now that we've covered, have we covered <laughs> your first year experience already, Andrew? Is that all? You, anything else you want to say about first, think, first term? I think the mountain really like sums it up. I mean, the only other analogy that I've been telling people is it's like being in an avalanche and you build yourself a straw and you can breathe a little bit through the avalanche and the snow. And then once you build yourself that straw and you can breathe a little bit and you're comfortable and you're like, oh, I'm okay. And then more snow comes and you have to continually build your straw up and figure <laughs> out a way to breathe a little bit. I guess that would be another analogy that I could, <laughs> I could well, make. It also fits the mountain analogy anyway, because it connects. <laughs> that's very clever <laughs> yes don't hike during avalanche season would be my take-home message yeah and then how do you apply that to law school uh that's good anything you wanted to ask felicity before we move on to our no i think that's good let's let's move on <laughs> yeah yeah that's good and we didn't mention the pandemic at all or online learning that's great well yeah. now you did yeah i know I, lo I love to do that it's a classic technique of mine but we're moving on so andrew had a great idea for a, a a sort of sub theme of a show which is kind of why we we have him on which is to talk about the idea of professional uh, you know we, we're all embarking on a profession if you're going into law typically you're going to become a professional and the world is a different place from when i went to law school particularly as it relates to kind of social media and your own presence in the world most people have an online presence. And so I, we were thinking about how we, how we might discuss the idea of maintaining our professional reputation in a world in which it's so easy to fall off <laughs> or, or go astray, including being on a podcast and saying things on this podcast that you perhaps, you know, maybe not down the road want to have been on the record to say. So I thought, Andrew, you since you've 
raised the topic. What's what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I already regret saying that I didn't uh, too much like contracts. Now future employers or clients might be like, oh, this guy, we can't give him a contract problem. He'll be the worst. He didn't even like his first year contracts class. He prefers torts. Like this is not going to be a, a good start already on the record, but <laughs> I, I, guess... I think if any potential employer has the time to like listen that deeply into this episode, I mean, you they don't, got a you lot don't of want, time on their hands. Yeah, yeah, you don't want them for your employee. <laughs> uh, no, I know you were being a bit facetious, but it's true though, right? You already have said something that, you know, imagine if you printed that out on your Facebook page, I hate contract law, that, that would probably be <laughs> a little bit more serious, right? Uh, however, you, you said you love tort law. So the, the uh, you know, the civil litigation firms are going to be all over you. Yeah, that, that would be perfect. I could go for that. I'm, I, I'm definitely interested in civil litigation. I'm definitely interested in tort law, <laughs> environmental law, indigenous law. I, I love, uh, love all that stuff for sure. So uh, future employers, hopefully you're listening in loud and clear. And uh, contracts are also great. So. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've come around to realizing how good contracts are. Well, I'm going to ask both of you because you are of a generation different from me. So what do you do? to protect your, I mean, are you actively, constantly sort of checking yourself when you post because you're you're concerned about what's happening down the road? Do you do that now? And, and did you do that as a teenager, maybe? Felicity, you're the youngest. We'll start with you. I'm the youngest. Okay. Um, well, definitely now. Yeah. Um, I think that's like, it's just silly not to, I think everything i I'll often do like the google search of my name just <laughs> just to see <laughs> would come up yeah um but no i think it's it's it would be silly not to and i think that kids now are probably more aware of that than like we i was at least in like middle school when like facebook was just starting to exist um because like it was just so new and like we had no idea really right um but i have you, have sorry, you, sorry, have you, have you changed the way you approach it since sort of being accepted to law school or, you know, in the last say three, four years, or had you already adopted some of those techniques? I think I had that? already adopted those things. I, I had gone to grad school in like a professional program before. So I think it was like a little bit ingrained there. And I think also I'm just a little boring. So like, there's not much scandalous stuff out there, that's you the know? Safe. Boring people are gonna excel in the new world, right? That's, <laughs> that's my end that's my to success. <laughs> so Andrew, is that yours too? Are you boring? <laughs> I would like to think I'm not that boring, although uh, my, my online record is probably a bit boring, except I took a page out of Felicity's book for the first time this past week. I Googled Andrew O'Brien in Toronto and I actually found someone who was convicted of manslaughter. They were, <laughs> they were charged with second degree murder and there's no picture of them. So like future employers might be, oh, who's yeah. this guy? Like, Forget saying you hate contract law. You are out there as a, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's the problem with a common name, I guess as well. Uh, well, I think that's actually a benefit of a common name sometimes too, though, because it's not like no one would necessarily know Googling Andrew O'Brien, what they're going to find. Which one? Yeah. And Felicity Redan on the other hand. <laughs> uh, it is very, still, as I say, it's just so foreign to me to even think about this. But so you now have to have a boring public persona, but in private, you can be wild and crazy. Is that, that's how it is, right? You have to really treat those two separate spheres, I suppose, much more so than I ever had to worry about 
different spheres of being. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, for me personally, I prefer in-person interaction over anything online anyways. So my, like if I were to look in the rear view mir mirror as to what my online footprint is on all the social media, I think my biggest footprint is on LinkedIn, which is rather boring anyways. And I don't really have too much on there anyway to begin with. So, and I've always thought in the back of my mind coming from the world of occupational health and safety, I've always thought maybe I will pursue a career in law. So I've always tried to be careful about that. And I've also worked for a couple of large corporations too. So they really would like you to be a candidate that just comes in, does the job that, you know, you're hired to do without carrying too much baggage around with you. So I guess I've always tried to be smart about it uh, or as smart as possible about it without leaving too much uh, out there about myself or personal views or not that I hold any extreme views, but if I did, I, I certainly don't think I would be putting them out there on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Right. I think it's, it's kind of different. I mean, I know like just a normal person or like an average person would I think have that same approach and just like, I don't really feel the need to share these things online. I think where it gets tricky is things like the podcast or people who have legal blogs or like what, where they're trying to build that line between some sort of presence online and also walking that thin, thin line of not being inflammatory. Or if you're the president of the United States, then you might <laughs> want to say something. Well, he's But you can't now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully nobody's going to cut my, me off my own podcast. That would be uh, our uh, the, maybe look yeah, out. Apple Podcasts or Podbean will just remove us. So sounds like you're saying. Oh, well, Felicity, you alluded to this specifically, but you think that most again turning this back to prospective law students that probably most of them have are pretty sophisticated nowadays anyway in terms of their online presence so they shouldn't need to worry too much but is there anything specific to the legal profession that you'd say they may not have thought about coming into law school i i guess i'm I, what what shocks me so often because again this ties to into something you both said is how often people do post stupid things on the internet supposedly smart people right people who are in prominent positions so i just don't know how i, I can't i never can understand how that happens but yeah, I, I mean, prime example, a bunch of cabinet ministers going on vacation yeah. abroad during and then, COVID. And then trying to pretend they're still here, though, by faking. <laughs> Wearing a sweater. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just yeah, hope I think, I, oh, Sorry, go ahead. I did ask a question. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I think the only thing is to, like, be conscious. But I also think we should, as a as a society, like, draw a line a little bit between... Like, I don't care how many pictures of your cat you post or like if you post a photo of yourself in a bathing suit, like I truly don't care. But it's like when you post like problematic opinions that are like kind of corrosive to a workplace culture, I think that's the kind of stuff you want to like turn a special eye to. Right, right. Do you think people, do you think uh, employers <laughs> draw negative judgments on people if they post too many cat pictures? <laughs> Maybe not cat pictures. I think the one that bothers me, and maybe this isn't lighthearted enough, but um, you often hear a comment about like women posting photos of themselves in bathing suits, and it's not a comment you hear about men. Right. Um, like no one cares if there's like a dude with a beer on the beach in a bathing suit, but like that exact picture for a woman would get um, some pushback. And I just think like maybe some employers, like older, 
older dudes might like have an opinion about that. But personally, where I come, like my, where I'm coming from is that like, that has no bearing whatsoever on your mind or ability to do your job. And I don't wear a bathing suit if you damn well want to. Right. right. Andrew, do you have any pictures of you on the beach? (laughs) There are no LinkedIn on the beach. No, (laughs) it's probably for the better. Uh, I don't think anybody needs to be looking at pictures of me at a beach or a speedo or anything like that. That's for sure. But if you want to, I think you should be allowed. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Yes, I I got that. So Andrew, go ahead. You know, you now have permission from Felicity to do that. Uh, So we're, we're, Coming towards the end, I was thinking, so for, further to my other question, though, do you think, do most students coming into law school, would you know, or in undergrad, would have a, would they already have a LinkedIn account? Is that something that you recommend everybody has, even before a professional degree? Me? Um, yeah. Do what I recommend it? Sure. I mean, the, the thing that I've found with other students is that they may not have a lot to put on their LinkedIn, whereas I'm, I have a bit more professional experience, but I think I would do it. Link, LinkedIn has been great for me. It's been great for networking. And with respect to like putting my views out there, I don't really do that on LinkedIn. But I mean, if, if there are students that are, are into prospective students that are into social justice causes, or they're really passionate about something, I mean, I think that that's the really big takeaway, a really big tip that I would tell incoming students to law school is to just try and hold those views. Like you you came to law school for a particular reason. And even though it feels like in your first semester of 1L or your first term of 1L that you're trying to be broken down and rebuilt up in the model of the the legal system that we find ourselves in, and they're trying to make you into a certain model of a certain lawyer, like hold on to those views that make you who you are because we can't all be robots. I mean, if, if that happens in the legal profession, then we're all out of jobs. We're, so we're in trouble. I, I should, I should say for the listeners that Andrew is in this podcast wearing a suit and tie though, which is <laughs> a little bit contrary to what you just said, but no, I, I again, I'm joking. Uh, Felicity, you want to end things I off? I the question. Oh, I thought you were asking me the question. I was like, I don't oh, well, remember I, the question. No, I, I stopped listening to you a while ago. Oh, no. <laughs> months, I think. Months ago, right? What? Uh, no, me. LinkedIn. Do you have a LinkedIn account? And would you I have, have a one LinkedIn before account. law school? I did, yeah. I think it was like a grade nine civics project or oh. something. Like I had to. Um, but And then I've just like kept it up. Um, I think it, the only thing I really find it useful, well, I guess two things, is that you, you get a little limited uh, by like a two-page resume and that way you can like put all your old experience that you wouldn't necessarily include on your two page highlight resume. That is if an employer happens to Google you, it's nice for them to be able to see. And also it gives you a platform to like, I've had a lot of people reach out to me to ask about my firm. Um, and yeah, I've done that to other people as well. So I think it like creates a little bit of a contact sphere, but if you don't have like a super LinkedIn presence, I don't think that's a super big deal either. Right. It will, it'll build up over time anyway. Mm-hmm. For those who uh, are not interested in any kind of online presence at all, maybe academia is the only place left in the world as a profession where you can get away with that, I think. <laughs> and even that, a lot of young academics have LinkedIn profiles and Twitter accounts, but you, you certainly don't have to. I think so. Yeah, I think this is maybe a good note to end on is that like really everything, everyone in law school will tell you like you absolutely have to do this or you like 
you, you got to have a LinkedIn. You have to reach out to people. You have to have so many coffees with everyone at any firm you want to work at. And like, you don't do your work, do whatever you want to do, go to the beach, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's going to be fine. Yes. Don't listen to everybody telling you what to do. It's true. That's always, I think we may have said that a few times in this show is don't necessarily believe everything people tell you. In fact, that's part of what becoming a lawyer is all about is be skeptical, be questioning. Uh, Andrew, anything, you, you get the final word. We'll give, we'll give the final word to the guest. It's an unusual, you're in a special position. It's mainly that suit and tie. I can't take my eyes off it. So what do you want to say to end things? I unfortunately prepared no closing argument, so I have uh, no clue what to leave the listeners off with other than if you're thinking about law school or if you're in your first semester of law school, stick with it. It gets better, especially after you write that last final exam and you have a couple weeks off at the at the holidays there after your first term of 1L. I think it feels great, and I'm sure when I finish off in April this second semester, I'll feel even better, and the weather will be nice, the sun will be shining, and... Uh, Happy days are here to come. <laughs> that is a really good way to end. We'll say goodbye. Thanks, Andrew. 